0: Welcome to the inaugural edition of We Live Here Too. I'm your co-host, Soren. And I'm Ruby. And in this episode and every episode of this podcast, we'll talk about the people and spaces of rural America. And in this first episode, we're going to talk about something that's very close to the two of us, which is the race for Iowa House District 75. Ruby was the candidate, uh, and I was her campaign manager and also uh, committee treasurer. We want to talk a little bit about the election results and what it means to the people who live here.
1: Well, maybe we should first admit that we didn't win.
0: Oh, right. So the elephant <laughs> the elephant in the room, no pun intended, is that we did not win the we race. We did not right. win. We right. lost
1: to the elephant, right. yes because we right. are we were a democratic uh, right. Right, uh, candidate.
0: And, um,
1: and our opponent who won. was So the we Republican. had we
0: had hoped that we might uh, be able to flip the seat. Uh, we were running against an incumbent mm-hmm. in a district where Republicans outnumber Democrats mm-hmm. and where independents were no party. Outnumbers both parties, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so going into this, we knew that it was an uphill battle. Um, just in general, when you're running against an incumbent, it's much harder in general than when you're running in an open seat. Um, and when you're outnumbered,
1: he was not an entrenched um, Republican, though he was
0: first-term right. lawmaker. Right. That's true.
1: So. So yeah. we
0: did. So we did feel that it would be easier. Mm-hmm. To try to flip the seat since yes. since he was just finishing up his first term. And of course, I guess before we get into the weeds here with the data, we should also acknowledge the fact that some things happened in 2020 that completely changed our game plan. You know, so first we had the challenge of trying to compete with, for attention with the presidential candidates mm-hmm. in the caucus. Then we, we had our kickoff, our first kickoff, uh, the one for Benton County, which was in Uh, the very rural community of Garrison, to the west of Vinton. Two or three weeks after that, we had planned to have a second kickoff for Iowa County in Marengo. Then, of course, what what happened? The COVID-19 pandemic started. It really kind of kicked into high gear the very week that we were planning on having that kickoff. And so we made the very difficult decision to postpone the kickoff hoping that we would be able to reschedule it for later. And of course, things only got worse. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, we were never able to reschedule that kickoff. So we weren't able to do things like knock doors, in-person meetings with voters where they could meet with you face-to-face, talk with you, where you could hear what was important to them. And then in the summer...
1: We got hit with a land hurricane.
0: Right, a a derecho. And um, we were kind of in the, right in the middle of the swath of that derecho. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what happened then. Because that was another wrench in our plans.
1: The the land hurricane? Yeah. Yeah, that was not fun. I remember being very frustrated because you know, 2020 just kicked everybody so hard already to begin with and then to have such a major weather event um run straight through your district when you're Not only, you know, you live here, so you care about people just on a human level. Right. Um, But also you're running for office and you've already had to deal with all the obstacles that COVID has bestowed upon us. So I think that I was probably a pain in the butt to my campaign manager, (laughs) which would be you during that time. I remember having a few days, like 24, 48 hours, where I was very upset just like how many times can we be hit but then we sprang into action i mean i was still an americorps member so i had to do things anyway right um and uh i think we showed who we were as a campaign we did and we weren't asking for publicity for any of the things that we did but right
0: so what we what we did in fact was we paused our campaign Mm -hmm. we stopped making phone calls uh for couple of weeks or so and we volunteered in the community or the communities i should say Mm
1: um i mean things we were already doing anyway right we flushed it out a lot more right yes but to go back to your original question okay so we did not win right and i think we should tell people what the what the vote totals were okay i think that's important so Our opponent, Thomas Gerhold, um, I think I'm looking at the right data. Yes, received 10,377 votes Mm -hmm. and we received 5,907 votes, which um, on the surface, I think a lot of people would listen to that and think, wow, not so great. But if you look back through the races, um, you know, over a decade's worth, we actually did pretty damn well, didn't we? I we mean, did compared to other democratic candidates.
0: We did. I don't remember the year, but there's um there was one democratic candidate several races ago mm-hmm. who got more votes than we did.
1: Was she in the 6000 range?
0: Yeah. Was Six, that 6000 something? And
1: that would have been when Don Pettengill had the seat, right? Not Tom.
0: Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so the fact that we had just over 5900 votes the percentage, of course, doesn't look great if you're just looking at this particular race. But as you said, mm-hmm. um, that's the second highest number of votes for a Democratic candidate in this district in what most of the last decade. Yes. Right. So we can be pretty happy about that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then you, you were going to say something else about, about that. So obviously the turnout in a presidential election, and in particular this year, was uh, was a lot higher than in than in a lot of previous elections.
1: Mm-hmm. But is it comparable to the last presidential election when when the previous um office holder Don Pettengill Republican mm-hmm. um, was running I mean as an incumbent a, right. man, a many term incumbent. I think it's it's comparable. So in 16, I think it is comparable. I mean, I think more people, obviously, because Iowa saw record turnout voted this year in 2020. Didn't we have, I think we had one of the highest um, percentages in the country, actually, of people that turned out to vote.
0: I I think that's right, yeah. So obviously we had um, hopes of getting more votes than that. Um, We did did have our... um, our win number in mind, and we obviously fell short of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think taking a step back, looking, you know, across the state, in this election cycle, um, the Iowa Democratic Party kept talking about needing four seats to flip the Iowa House. Mm -hmm. And not only did that not happen, but things actually went the other direction, didn't they?
1: You are now in the whole eighteen seats,
0: something like that, yeah,
1: which is incredible, right? But it's not unusual when you look at other states, right? Uh, state legislatures, right? Around and, the
0: yeah, country. that's a that's a great point. So taking a, yet another step back, this happened in other states across the country as well. So you know the fact that we didn't do as well as we hoped, mm-hmm. that's certainly very different from Democrats doing well across the state, and then we. Uh, and then in our race, not doing well. Yes. So I think that's yet another thing that was working against us this year, which is unfortunate.
1: Well, and I think we can touch on right now really briefly, and then we don't have to again, statewide. Okay. After I went through all 100 house races Mm -hmm. um, to compare them to our race, just because I wanted to see how did we stack up, and thinking about how the people who have run for this seat 75 in the past – compared our our vote share is i mean basically we didn't lose ground um and And you're talking
0: about the the difference this year compared to 2018 yes right
1: in house races right we so if anything we maintained our support right and then clearly we grew it but if you look at other house races and you're better with data than i am um Except I did do all the figuring, but, um,
0: <laughs> you did the hard work of researching the numbers yes, and putting and it, them into the and spreadsheet, putting it
1: into this kind of a uh, giant dumpster fire right, spreadsheet. Right. But, um, okay. So how would you describe how we did? So our, our vote share compared to eight from 18 to 20 compared to, you know, the majority of other house races.
0: Right. So there are two ways to look at the numbers. One is the, the, the raw numbers. Mm-hmm. And so a we got about 900 votes more than the candidate did in the Democratic candidate did in 2018. Mm-hmm. But because the turnout was higher, our vote share was actually about 1% lower than mm-hmm. in 2018, which is fairly negligible. I haven't done a statistical analysis to know whether this is a a significant difference, but comparing this to districts elsewhere in the state, it looked to me like there were only like Excluding the the districts where that are heavily democratic or whether the where the Democratic candidate flipped the seat in in the races where the Democratic candidate got a lower percentage of the vote share this year compared to 2018 there are only like three or four races where that difference was under one percent mm-hmm. so
1: but we didn't flip is Eric's seat the only one we flipped I think I mean, it's not like the Dems were flipping a bunch of seats.
0: Right. And you're right. In fact, there, there is only one Okay. <laughs> there is only one house district. Uh, and it's one that includes um, sort of suburban Cedar Rapids. Yes, where my sister and, lives. Right. Yes, and in then, Lynn County. And mm-hmm. then a little bit of the rural yes. area that surrounds that. Um,
1: but yes, I think that is a very good point. And you pointed that out to me when we were looking through the data. That, you know, so few candidates grew their support, hardly any, you know, just a a, a small handful, um, in districts. And then very few were under, like you said, 1%, which Mm -hmm. is still negligible. And then we were very close to that number anyway. And there's not a whole lot of people in our similar boat and we were not a repeat candidate, which I tried to take note of when I was going through here. There was a lot of people that had run twice. So Mm -hmm. we're already familiar, um, to their district. We were a brand new campaign. Right. I had never run for anything in my life, so... And,
0: and that's yet another challenge.
1: Yes, it is. I so. also was not born and raised in Benton County. Although though, you, of,
0: though you've lived here for quite some time. I have, since right.
1: 2008. And a lot of people think that because my name, Bodeker, B-O-D-E-K-E-R, is the same as the Bodekers, which have been here since... Right. 1850s, probably.
0: Right. Yes. Okay. Um, so there are a number of, of races where the Democratic candidate vote share went down like nine to 13% compared to 2018. Mm-hmm. There are also what, well, at least I think three races that I've seen here where it went down like 34 to 46%. Mm-hmm. But in those three races, there was, uh, there wasn't a Republican candidate in 2018.
1: Let's just look at one. Okay. Let's look at our friend, uh, Warren Barley's district. So this year he ran and I don't know which number that is but he ran for Senate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two years ago, he had run for House.
0: Uh, Wait, here it is. Yeah, District 20.
1: Warren ran for House in um, 18. Mm-hmm. And his father, I don't know if he was a House member and held this seat or if he was a Senate member, but either way, his dad, Warren's dad, mm-hmm. used to hold one of those two seats. That's right, yeah. seats. So it's not like people didn't know his name. Varley would have been a familiar name to people, but... So in 2018, um, he had, it looks like, tell me if I'm reading this wrong. I think it 37, around 37 and a half percent of the vote share mm-hmm. went to Warren. And he was up against a GOP incumbent. Right. And then two years later, Warren didn't run for this seat, but another Democrat did. And they dropped by almost 10 percentage points, at least a share of the vote total, right. I should say. So Varley is a well-known name. Mm -hmm. He ran against an incumbent who clearly has made a name for himself and done very good things, you know, for veterans and the state of Iowa um, with his Freedom Rock series. But um, so Warren earned 37.6%. And what did we earn this year? What was our vote share total across the two counties? We were a little over 36, right? Yeah.
0: Yep, just over thirty six percent.
1: Okay, I know that that's not probably a good way to compare things. I don't know if I'm comparing apples to oranges, but I'm just saying that we, for people who are listening, who voted for us or volunteered for us, we did a fairly decent job, right? In a I mean, very tough election year with some extremely odd things happening, mm-hmm. um, not only statewide but nationwide, and plus, as JD has pointed out, um, JD Schulten, yep who ran for um, Steve King's former seat. So I'm just pointing that out because not only do I love Warren, but, um, you know, we kind of matched Warren's support Mm -hmm. in 18. Right. And he was a a well-known, his father was, you know, a beloved legislator against an incumbent that a lot of people knew. I mean, we still, I mean, as you said, 1% is negligible. Right. So... And, and I, I think
0: I think, in a lot of ways, this was also a, a base election. and when we Jamie when we get a chance to talk said. to to Darwin, <laughs> uh-huh. our not a pundit
1: are not a pundit pundit
0: um, right <laughs> <laughs> he um, I'm sure that he'll have a lot more to say about that, but um yeah, in many ways, this was a this was a base election, and one of the other things working against us is. We we were not on the Republican ticket. (laughs) We were not.
1: Okay, so if you go back to what you had originally set this up with, looking at the Iowa County data and then quickly looking at the Benton County data, when we were going through this like a week ago, you had noticed some very interesting things um, between what we're calling like the Mm rural-rural precincts, even though every precinct is rural, and the, um, you know, rural precincts, which to me like, okay, Marengo is rural, um, but then... Honey Creek is rural rural. Um, but you tell me what you saw in the data.
0: You're going to make me say this, aren't you?
1: <laughs>
0: right. So one of the things, um, during the campaign, I don't have I think I tossed the maps, but one of the things that I had done was I went precinct by precinct mm-hmm. and wrote down the number of registered voters who were Democrats,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the number who were Republicans. And then the number who were no party,
1: which you still have,
0: right? I, I, I did put them in mm-hmm. in the um, spreadsheet for Iowa County that we're looking at here. Yes. Um, but I had also put this on on a map, and one of the things that I that really st- uh, struck me at the time was how there were so few registered Dems in Honey Creek, which includes the the. The rural areas surrounding Marengo. Also
1: known as Honey Creek.
0: Oh, yeah. So we have a disagreement about how to pronounce that word.
1: <laughs> okay. I, gr- I
0: grew up hearing crick from my grandpa. And I, and I legit thought that crick and creek were two different words. Um, <laughs> yes. And some, somewhere, somewhere growing up, I learned that, in fact, it's the same word, just mm-hmm. pronounced yes. differently.
1: But I also say aunt and because of where I was raised. And people here do not say aunt. They say um,
0: aunt. No. That is is correct. Okay,
1: but so Honey Creek or Honey Creek, as you say, is paired with what's called Marengo Rural. Right. Okay.
0: Now, obviously, Iowa County was very important to us and in particular Marengo because you had, you've got some good friends there. You, Mm -hmm. through AmeriCorps National Service, had spent a lot of time uh, in in the town of Marengo, which is the county seat.
1: It's also the third biggest community in our district.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously that was important to us. But then looking at the total number of voters in that portion of Iowa County, mm-hmm. there weren't that many. And so it was a careful balance to, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that the people in Iowa County felt that we cared about them because obviously we did and, and, still, and still do.
1: We've proven to ourselves, comparing Iowa County data mm-hmm. to Benton County data, we grew our support.
0: We did. From right. the last election right. and
1: definitely the one before that. Right. Okay, so in, in Honey Creek... I'm looking at our race compared to Biden, Greenfield, Finkenauer, Schuster, mm-hmm. who would have been everybody up ballot, right from us. How do you? How would you describe how we did, and what does that mean?
0: One thing that we should mention mm-hmm. is not only did we not win our race, <laughs> but did not. none of these Democratic candidates won in, in our district in, in Iowa,
1: yeah, or in Iowa. Right. Yes. So,
0: so Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won. The national election.
1: But they did not win Iowa.
0: But they did not win in Iowa. Yes. Uh, So Teresa Greenfield was running for U.S. Senate Mm -hmm. against an incumbent. um, And at one point, that seemed like a really promising race that she might actually be able to flip. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, she didn't. Um, Abby Finkenauer, who was the incumbent in um, U.S. House District 1, Mm -hmm. which is basically northeastern Iowa, uh, she flipped that seat against a Republican incumbent in 2018 um, but unfortunately she lost her re-election bid um and then the state Senate, um ivy schuster uh that was an open seat mm-hmm. and then of course uh we were running uh, against an incumbent so the thing that I think you want me to <laughs> to say here is that although you know going back to when we were looking at the district-wide results mm-hmm. um, you said you know if you look at that it doesn't look like we did that well but then when you look at the um, comparing our race to the other Democratic candidates in our district we actually did like middle of the pack to the top mm-hmm. compared to the in terms of the, the percentage of the vote share right mm-hmm. so we should we should feel good about that
1: mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we have more votes than in our down ballot race in Honey Creek than Joe Biden got, mm-hmm. which it's usually the opposite. I realize it's only right. one vote, but I'm just saying, like there are there are precincts where it's a lot more than that, where people just didn't bother right, to vote right. down ballot.
0: And that, that's a good point, and that I see that's also true in Marengo City as well.
1: Mm-hmm. We have more votes than
0: yeah. So
1: Before we leave Iowa County, though, quickly, can we look at how we stacked up? Um, So I think the way I set this up was between the two presidential races, so 16 and 20. mm -hmm. And then, so Gerhold wasn't running in 16. It would have been Dawn Pettengill's last year as the incumbent. And she was a very popular incumbent. And we should probably say why.
0: Yes, (laughs) please, please do.
1: Because she originally, uh, more than a decade ago, ran as a Democrat Mm -hmm. and won in our district.
0: Which is one of the reasons that we kept saying, we know that a Democrat could win in this district.
1: Yes, and before her, other Democrats had won, too. Right. But um, So she won, and then um, a little over a year in, she flipped mm-hmm. and changed um, party affiliations right. and, and then ran as a Republican and then won again, like three or four more times. OK, so even though in 16, it was not Gerhold, it was Don uh, Pettengill. Um, I don't know. The one thing I just like to look at, even though, again, it's not, it's only a handful of votes, but in Marengo City, you know, so Marengo proper, Mm -hmm. he actually lost support while we grew the support.
0: Right. So he got five votes fewer than in 2018 Mm -hmm. and we got, um, 60, sorry, more, no, sorry. Going from 2016 to 2020, he got five votes fewer than Don Pettengill did. Yes. Right. And it, when and there we, was significantly six, more turnout. Right. And we got 66 lot, votes more than uh, mm-hmm. the Democratic candidate did in 2016.
1: And we actually grew. I mean, we grew ours in all, in all the precincts in Iowa County. Gerhold did too, but not as much as we did overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely not. Right. It's like a 100 vote difference. But right. And
0: so, of course, some of that could just be because of the higher turnout. Yes. But we were also on the ground. Uh, to the degree that we could, Mm -hmm.
1: um, well, but then when you stack us up against who was on the top of the ticket, Biden and how we outperformed him in some areas, I just think looking at the data overall, the people of Iowa County, particularly the Iowa County Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. I mean, should be proud of the work we did. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I personally, after I went through the Iowa County data felt really good Mm -hmm. Um, about our race. Right. And that, that is a true statement I did. And I did Iowa County before Benton County, which we'll get to now. But, um, and
0: I guess we should also mention that, you know, in Marengo proper, we went and knocked some doors mm -hmm. in January. We did. Uh, so we talked to some voters, Mm -hmm. um, and then we did two lit drops, Yep. which was a sort of, for lack of a better term, contactless, Mm -hmm. um, way to reach voters. So instead of knocking doors, we just went and stuck our lit to the doors. Um, Well, when you said that... But we did have a few chance encounters with voters.
1: But I think, and I think this is something that the Iowa Democratic Party is going to have to invest in more, obviously. We've talked about, right? Infrastructure Mm -hmm. in the counties and down to the precincts. We had two key people on our side in Marengo. Right. And they would not care us name dropping them. So I'm going to. So Jackie Jordan, who's the um, library director. We love Jackie. We love Jackie. Um, And she's highly invested in her community, raised three children there. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, Heather Fleming, who is a school board member.
0: Yep. And we also love Heather. And
1: we love Heather. And Heather made it known that she supported us. Um,
0: And Heather was one of those people whose door we knocked on. We did. And and we didn't know her.
1: We didn't know her.
0: But we fast became friends. We did. We fast became friends. She
1: did, and then she quoted Robert Kennedy to me in the street, and I yeah, will love her right. forever now. That's right. Yep. So I'm just, like, pointing out that part of our uh, strong base of support in Marengo had to do with the infrastructure that we built.
0: hmm Right.
1: Which, honestly, if we were running our party correctly in this state, we would not have to rebuild that right. as a candidate right. every time. So
0: you, this is something you've talked about on Twitter um, and, and, we, and we J.D. Schultz and J.D. Schultz and Twitter has mentioned, is not the real world. So. Right. Twitter okay. is not the real world. No, it is not. Um, but I just say that because you have mentioned this before. Um, and J.D. Schultz has written about this as well. Yep. And what you're suggesting here is that we need to change to year round organizing. Yes. Right. Please. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously been a lot of, um, Post-election, what's the word? Um, analysis, for yes. lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Drama. Drama. Well, I'm sure that
1: I'm spurring some of this drama, but whatever. Maybe,
0: maybe. But I mean, there, there's been a lot of analysis it's and also
1: frustration. Absolutely. Aren't you frustrated, absolutely, as a Democrat who absolutely. worked your ass off in I am. an election? I mean, I am, come on. I am. Yes, yeah. it's very frustrating. Right.
0: We've seen, you know, organizing for a presidential mm-hmm. primary. Yep. Leading up to the Iowa caucuses we have then seen organizing for our own campaign Mm -hmm. and in between
1: yeah what was going on there
0: was there was (laughs) there was no real organizing no granted that there wasn't a huge gap between the caucuses and our or at least our role in the
1: but if 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 party if the party the iowa democrat party considers holding a monthly county democratic party um, Mm -hmm. central committee meeting Mm -hmm. organizing then they deserve to lose that's not organizing,
0: right because
1: exactly. A, how many people can go to it? right B, they're not welcoming.
0: right. you know, and I don't know what the Republicans do, but the the Democrats use uh, vote builder or van
2: mm-hmm.
0: to manage voter the voter database. Mm-hmm. We've obviously you know seen this before we heard about this from our campaign committee chair who mm-hmm. made a lot of the the, phone, the phone bank calls she for did. us mm-hmm. about. They're being wrong numbers, disconnected numbers, no number at all. no number. Yeah.
1: People that don't live here anymore.
0: Right. And this is something that J.D. Schulton wrote about as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, in every election cycle, you have these field organizers with the various campaigns
1: who this year, because of COVID, literally weren't even in the state. Right. Because they weren't Iowans.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is another which is another issue. Mm-hmm. But. You know, so we we both volunteered for Kamala Harris when mm-hmm. she was um, running for president,
1: which is one of the main reasons we as in you knew mm-hmm. how to use VAN.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Which not all campaigns have that advantage.
0: Exactly. And you know, so we made a lot of phone calls, we knocked a lot of doors, and then fed data back mm-hmm. about which numbers had been disconnected, which were wrong numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, which were houses where people had had moved. And that does get fed back to the Iowa Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. But unless someone contacts the county auditor to say, hey, I've moved, that outdated data still appears in VAN Mm -hmm. because it's the official voter registration data.
1: But the other big criticism he had of VAN, which I almost feel like might be worse, is what he said... You're working down from a number mm-hmm. every time. Yep. You're reinventing the wheel every time yep. from a number. Yep. And there's nothing in there about who that person is. Even if the campaign before you had fleshed that out. I mean, exactly. think about all the contacts that I just had working for the newspaper. Right. Just as right. a person right. that we took advantage of in that I knew who people were. Mm-hmm. All across the district, that data is lost unless the next person that runs, I work with them.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, it's not
1: there. They have to start over working down from a number. I think yep. when JD said that last weekend in that call we were on, that really struck me. I think mm-hmm. I circled it in the notes yeah. just like, that's so true. I think,
0: and I, right. And I think that's probably the even bigger or more important point. And how many times when you and I were dropping lit for your campaign or for our campaign, did I say, oh, I've been to this house before mm-hmm. um, yep. in one community in particular I realized that I had actually knocked on one of our volunteers' doors, but I didn't know her at the time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There was another door where I said, "I rem- this is actually where we uh, filmed a Kamala video." Uh
1: huh. In Van Horn. Um, right. Yep. Um, How where- many times did I say to you, Soren, take a screenshot on your phone because yeah. we remembered something about yeah, this right, house, right, and right, afterwards right, we right, wanted to, right. yeah.
0: So because I was going back a second time, I had that knowledge in my head, and mm-hmm. I could say, "Oh yeah, I remember talking to the guy here." And I think we're we're getting back to the point where there needs to be this year-round organizing because mm-hmm. the county parties also have access to van. Yep. In this election, obviously, I was focused primarily on our race, mm-hmm. um, being your campaign manager. Yes. But I was also a a volunteer to some degree with. The county party. With your
1: own party. Because as JD has said, we're running a campaign. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we should not have to be fleshing out the building blocks of a county party. Exactly. But you can't run without those building blocks. Exactly. Not effectively. You know,
0: and the the notes that you've talked about entering in van, as I said, the county parties have access to van as well. And if Mm -hmm. they were doing year-round organizing, they could be putting those notes in van and those don't get lost.
1: No. There should literally be a dedicated person. Right. Whether it's by county or it's like, I think JD has said, we need to literally pay people right, to be organizers right. in all the different house districts, at least.
0: Right, you know, and as, as a campaign, we lived in van. We did. We really did. Yeah, because and so many
1: times you would like, I'd tell you something by text or whatever, and you'd be like, if it's not in van, it's right. like not real, Ruby. Right. Put that crap in there.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's something that I learned from our friend Anderson Clayton. Yes. Um, who was the, With the, the, the like Kamala I mean. field organizer mm-hmm. for Benton County. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, from following other field organizers on Twitter.
1: Well, then to circle back the two names we talked about, mm-hmm. our friends, Heather and Jackie. Yep. So if we don't run again, mm-hmm. we haven't said we're going to run again. So right. if we don't run again, the next person that runs, if they're not Heather or Jackie, and they're not friends with us, or we're not helping them with their campaign, they're not going to know about Heather and Jackie. They're going to have to reinvent the wheel again in Marengo. Right. Which is ridiculous. Should Um, we go to Benton, the Benton County page now, and briefly talk about Benton County Sure. I mean, we can be very brief, because I live in Benton County, so I think that explains some of what's going on here. Right.
0: And obviously, because it's all of Benton County, we're talking about a lot more precincts. How many
1: is it? One, two, three, Um, four, five well, you know, how many is it?
0: Uh, 19.
1: So uh, like right off the top, I noticed, um, when I was putting this data in that clearly, um, in the four Vinton precincts, I had strong support. I mean, we didn't, we didn't win, but, Mm -hmm. um, we were approaching, uh, we're mid forties on most of the precincts. Right. And
0: I live in one of those precincts because I live in town, but which precinct do you live in? Uh, Vinton three.
1: You're in Vinton three. You're not one but, I highlighted because you weren't one of the right. The um, highest supporting. Right.
0: But people also don't... My name was not on the ballot. <laughs> I and know, I know. And very few people in town even know me. This is true. Um,
1: they should all know you. Okay. But, but then... And, <laughs> and
0: then you live outside of town. I do. You've lived in this community for a number of years. Mm-hmm. You've been a teacher in this district. Your yep. kids go to school here.
1: Write for the paper. Yes. All the yeah, things. Yeah, right.
0: You've written for the, for the newspaper. I
1: have a lot of children, so...
0: You have what you call four little Iowans, the Teachers
1: right? encounter the last name so many times. They're going to be like, by the time they get to Harmon, my God, another one. But yes, okay. So Or,
0: <laughs> oh, you must be such and such as little brother.
1: Or they'll, call it, well, with the girls, they call them, they accidentally, teachers call them Ruby because apparently my kids' girls look like me. But um, This is true, they do. In addition to the strong support we had in Vinton, um, and, and if you look back uh, between 18, so between 20... 18 and 16, we definitely, I mean, there was something to be said for the fact that I'm from this area. Right. Yes. That was clearly one of the reasons we had good support in Vinton, but we also had very strong support, I thought, in parts of Belle Plaine, and we had a lot of people down there that were really pulling for us.
0: You know, just as an aside here, you've highlighted some of the precincts where our opponent did the best. Yes. And one of those is, of course, the precinct where he's from. Yes. Yes. That's not the precinct where he did the best.
1: No, it isn't. The precinct where he did the best is not where he lives.
0: Right. There were like three other precincts where he.
1: Wait, which one did we do the best in? Well, but you could say the same thing. The precinct um, where we did the best was a Bell Plain precinct. Dang, go Bell Plain. Right. Yeah. But then it it, it it they're very close. I mean, it's Bell Plain and Vinton. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Shellsburg we did really well.
0: We should also say that in which um, is where I taught. In this entire district, Vinton and Belle Plain mm-hmm. are the only two communities where the town is split into multiple precincts.
1: Yes, this is true. And the there, are t- there are some there are some towns
0: where their precinct includes the entire township around it, or in some cases, even the next township or two. Yes, um, or three, surrounding it.
1: But we also had strong support in Wolford. Mm-hmm. We're still in the 40s there, Urbana. Yep. Yep, I was really proud of the work we did in, um, in Garrison, which is, like you just said, encompasses a lot of right. townships. Right. Um,
0: and certainly going driving around uh, or walking around Garrison, mm-hmm. there were a lot of ruby signs. There, there were, were more ruby signs than anything else.
1: But if you go down and look at, if you drill down to our support in, in the Garrison precinct, you know, compared to other candidates compared to some of the candidates, it's, it's negligible. Like Fink Our, right? we were fairly close, but, um.
0: But that's also one of those precincts where it's, what, three, three different townships, mm-hmm. including the town of Garrison.
1: Yeah. But we had more votes than anybody else from top of the ticket down mm-hmm. in that, in that precinct. I will say, okay, so then the other thing I really noticed and, about. And I
0: should say by at least a couple of percentage points.
1: Yes. I mean, it which, was just like one or two votes. Right, right. Yeah. So go garrison. Which is
0: kind of a big deal.
1: It is a big deal. We love garrison. I knew we were having trouble in Norway and Keystone and Atkins. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't... Because of COVID, number one. But we did not have the time to invest in building the party there. And I knew the party was dying there. But then... Okay, so if you go back up and you look at Kane, Keystone. So we had 26% exactly of the vote Mm -hmm. share this year. Which is terrible. And there's work to be done there. But then if you compare um the last you know two election cycles so how many votes did we have is it 117 this year in Kane? yeah and then polly had a few less in 18 but in the last presidential election she had 147 votes or six so i mean i realize that these are not huge numbers but we're also you know we're working with not huge numbers here so right that matters this is
0: after all rural iowa it
1: is and something happened i mean clearly and i can't decide and i know i've asked you this if it's because well keystone wouldn't make sense but in like new hall and atkins and norway do you think it has to do with the same thing that we talked about like my Vitten effect mm-hmm. i live in this area so you'd think i'd get a bump do you think that's part of his bump
0: I certainly think that could be part of the part of the bump for sure.
1: Because the rest of the ticket did not do as poorly as us in those communities where he, you know, whipped right, us. Right. Which to me, if we were gonna run again, we need to do a lot more investment. And the party itself needs to do more investment mm-hmm. in those areas. Yep, absolutely. If I was a Republican and I was looking at this, if I was Gerhold, I'd be like, I need to work on the vint and vote. Right. Because I'm gonna well, lose but, more.
0: You know, but again, we had been originally planning to have in-person events in every community. Yes,
1: we were. We were going to do a Chuck Grassley mm-hmm. or JD. Yeah, that's right. We were. That's the kind of campaign we were. But um, COVID made that difficult. But then again, we've also talked about maybe we shouldn't have gone down that route and we still should have tried to have events like like in Tama when mm-hmm. we were building the crop art, right. you know, where you're right. distanced from the people. But when we were dropping lit in some of those communities, I really do feel like people were hesitant. And I don't think it was just because we were a campaign. I think COVID, someone's knocking your door during a pandemic. Right. But then Republicans were knocking doors during a pandemic. I mean, Trump had people on the ground knocking in Iowa. Exactly. So I don't know.
0: I mean, we, we did try to be cautious. You know, at least in Benton County, it took what seemed like a long time for the numbers to start rising. Another uh, source of concern, I guess, is when when we were knocking doors for Kamala, looking specifically at the caucus, and we were knocking on doors only of registered Dems, there were several people who said that they were supporting Trump, yeah. and we're like, that didn't make sense. That but
1: happened to us when we were knocking for our own campaign, right? Registered then, right. Dems who would say, right. "Are you it, a Democrat or a Republican?" Yeah,
0: and then it happened exactly. And then, but it happened then we again. also
1: had so many people that we know in Vinton crossed party lines, right? A because they told us, and B looking at the data, yeah. There, yes, there was,
0: there was one particular um, house right on the state highway going through the middle of Vinton where you and I oh. both heard from multiple people about <laughs> yes. the fact that there was a Trump sign and a <laughs> and ruby sign. Two the ruby same, signs yes, for a while. Yeah, you know, my house. kids
1: call that the Trump house. Right. That, that is now the Trump house, yep. even though it should really be the Trump ruby house. We know how the election turned out. We've now drilled down in all the precincts, mm-hmm. whether it was a fool's errand or not. But I think... Under everything that we discussed, the parameters of this campaign, we did fairly well. Mm -hmm. And compared to other candidates statewide and in our district on the ballot, we did well, if not better. Right. And mostly it was better. It's not tooting our own horn, I think, what that's... But it's
0: something that we can be proud of.
1: Well, because we did the work. We did. I mean, and it was a lot of work because it was party building at the same time. That's right. Which is not necessarily something you should have to do every single day election right not have to rebuild the party from the ground up as a candidate every single election
0: hashtag year-round organizing
1: yes (laughs) because we live here too because we live here too we we don't just appear during the election right
0: exactly so we've talked a lot about the data the election results let's take a moment to talk about some of the conversations that we had we we've alluded to a couple of them already Mm -hmm. Um, so what kinds of things did we hear from voters and you in particular did you hear from voters at you as the candidate
1: i think i mean and this would be after covid hit the pandemic mm-hmm. became a huge part of our campaign i think what a lot of people seem to appreciate about our campaign and me as a candidate was the fact that we were invested in this space right and i know that that's not necessarily a huge part of the party platform but i think as our friend jason snell who did our campaign video pointed out people vote with their guts that's what they vote with that's true and it's not necessarily your list, your planks, mm-hmm. your millions of plans. That's that's not really why a whole lot of people vote. Um, and then those people in turn tell other people that you know this person really cares about this space. And on top of it, um, she seemed to understand that as a working person, I don't have time at the end of the day to worry about the fact that my kids schools don't have a librarian or to worry about the fact that my school might be closed down right. or to worry about the fact that my daughter who works as a nurse is not being protected at work. I mean, just various things that people then, when one, and it, that's how farmers are too. When your neighbor is doing something, if your neighbor puts in cover crops, you're going to ask him about it or mm-hmm. and that is then in your head going to make it possibly okay to then try cover crops yourself, I have right. heard that from so many soil and water conservation district commissioners that that's what it takes in Iowa. That's why the caucus system worked because it was neighbors talking to neighbors. Mm-hmm. That's how our politics works. Right. So I think people are honest to God. Okay, number one, people in rural America are scared, mm-hmm. which is why I think a lot of people vote Trump whether they can they recognize it or not. Right. And then number two, people in um, Iowa and rural Iowa and rural communities are scared to admit they are Democrats. Or they don't know they're Democrats.
0: Right. Because you heard um, something from a couple of people. One one person said, after watching your campaign ad. Okay. that Oh, I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That uh-huh. you, she, she thought you were a Republican, but just didn't realize it. Yes. And, and, in, f- f- and in fact, your campaign ad was all about Democratic values. It
1: is. And so it, in
0: fact, she didn't realize that she might actually be a Democrat. Democrat.
1: But you know what? You know who does the party organizing for, for the, the Republican Party in rural Iowa and rural America? Fox News. Right. Conservative Radio. Right. They do the organizing for them. Yep. They don't have to do a dang thing. They don't have to show up.
0: And it's year-round organizing. It's
1: year-round, every day, in yep. your ear, all day long. Yep. Especially for people, and you know there are so many people that can recognize this that have family members who you walk into their house and that's all you hear is Fox News. Mm-hmm. Whether it's on the radio or it's on the TV, all day long. It is propaganda. Yep. And I feel poorly about what has happened. And our party has not done much to combat that, which would include building your county parties.
0: Right. And I think one of the things that I've heard people in the, in the county party say is that I think we would disagree with is, you know, their, their approach is to say vote Democratic. And they're not, they're not unique in this way. Mm-hmm. This is, you know kind of across the board. But as we know, we that immediately turns off a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. It does. And
0: instead what they need to hear is the message of well, what what do Democrats stand for? Because mm-hmm. they already hear what Republicans stand for. Yep. Right?
1: Well, and it almost needs to be because like I've said, we're scorched earth here now, our party. Right. And we right. were before this election. As many rural candidates in Iowa were saying. Right. That you have to Which is why it's so hard to say that I'm not going to run again because you have to remind the people in the districts where you're running that you are a good person Mm -hmm. who happens to be a Democrat. Right. And then these are the things that you believe and it's because you're a member of this party. Mm -hmm. And that's because we let our party wither and die. Right. It's like a complete re-education system. But as we pointed out, one thing our party needs to remember is Iowa is a rural state, period. Absolutely. I know people are trying to criticize folks like me, I guess, who are, you know, um, playing up the rural strategy, the rural catchphrase, you know, like, this is the thing to do right now. But we were talking about this—well, I've been talking about this for years with my father Mm -hmm. and Wisconsin politics in particular. But I think that if our party hadn't dropped the ball on party building Mm -hmm. this might not have become and this is a national party issue as well but this might not have become such a big divide right but we did drop the ball i mean if you know anything about how jimmy carter campaigned in this state little farmer Mm -hmm. from georgia wandered around down people's dirt roads and talked to them i mean someone needs to pick it up it might not be us but we're laying the groundwork definitely for somebody to do it again (laughs) Our good friend and small town newspaperman Darvin Graham, who hails from rural Tama County, uh, will be joining us each episode for a segment we're calling "Not a Pundit." We'll discuss Iowa politics and rural issues with Darvin. Darvin brings a fresh voice from a rural space as an everyday working person out here in the trenches. And now, let's welcome Darvin to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Ruby. It's uh, it's great to be with both of you and Soren. Um, We've we've gotten to know each other uh, over the last year, kind of throughout this caucus experience and election season. Um, it's been really great to uh, to have your connection over in Benton County and to sort of um, you know experience this year, this last two years with you guys. And uh, it's it's great to uh, to be a part of this. So thanks for thanks for asking me to uh, to contribute, and I'll uh, look forward to uh, to chatting with you guys.
0: Well, welcome to the show, Darvin. And uh, you didn't mention it, but uh, we also need to give a big shout out to Darvin for designing the We Live Here 2 uh, logo and cover art. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, so absolutely. in um, in this episode, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the election for Iowa Democratic Party chair that's going on, and then also talk a little bit about the general election that just happened. Um, and what it means for the future, especially for the rural spaces that we live in.
2: Yeah, it really seems like this is the time where Democrats in Iowa um, and voters in Iowa are trying to sort of figure out what's next. Um, we we have a, a you know an an unusual situation, obviously, in in many counts, um, but we have a lot of work to do in terms of Democrats in the state of Iowa, despite the the presidential result and and uh, what looks to be uh, uh joe biden is our next president and uh there go my dogs
0: <laughs> um welcome darvin's dogs to the show
2: yes welcome
1: so right now for the idp chair yeah. it was 90 days right after the general election comes an election for the new chair which yes. i think is on what did we say the I don't know. It's like January twenty third or something, isn't it? Right. In our next chair, what do you think we need, Darvin? I'd like to say we need um, Ben uh, Winkler from Wisconsin to just come down here and be our chair, but <laughs> that is clearly not going to happen. But, so,
2: but barring barring that, right? <laughs> yeah, we we are uh, we're Iowa. We're we're we are not anybody else. That's for sure. And um, and yeah. I, I think the first and foremost thing that comes to mind when I think about who will be selected um, as party leadership for this next year is that it really goes beyond who this individual uh, is and and what they um, can do individually. I think um, in my from what I've observed, from what I believe, I believe that there is some pretty f- structural foundational. Um, changes that need to occur within the party, um, within the national party, within the state party as well, and you know, so I, I don't hold a ton of consequence with who is chosen um, to to serve this next year. Although um, it it will be it will be somebody, and that that person is going to hold an important position. Um, I, I would first look for them to to have a vision toward some change. For, for the Democratic Party. I grew up in Iowa, but I don't have a ton of experience with the state Democratic Party as a whole. I really got active in 2018 after, um, you know, after the Trump election 16 and through the midterms. That's kind of when I got plugged into the county party here in Tama County and, and then since then through the caucus as well. Um, so I, I really think that I would like to see somebody that has a strong vision to to rebuild this party um Mm -hmm. but i am not seeing that right now at all i think you're right in saying that
0: in in one way it doesn't really matter who becomes the new chair they have Mm -hmm. to be willing to uh to make some changes because this is this is a, a moment of reckoning for the party and something has to change
2: i agree i think it's it's helpful to to also recognize that this that these kind of conversations that the the democratic party needs to engage with rural voters more and needs to kind of reclaim some of the some of the districts and and places that they have lost in in past cycles is something that's been going on that conversation's been happening i think for for a while i don't i don't i don't have a date to really pin it to but it really seems that 2016 was four years ago now, um, and and that was a that was a big election and and a and a, a difficult time um, for for Democrats in Iowa. And I think that you know, as I've kind of looked looked up some of the names that have served as as party chairs, you know, going back to you know 2006, 2008, somewhere in that area, you see the same type of rhetoric being used that we need to. Um, we need to really listen to voters we really really need to get out there and just really do it but here we are you know mm-hmm. <laughs> 5 10 15 years later and we still really need to do that and we haven't quite figured it out i think if you look at if you look at some of the folks again i don't know any of these individuals that have served in this capacity and and i'm thankful that you know for anybody that's willing to uh to volunteer for things and to you know uh, spend their time working toward the greater good. I, I think that's a value. So I, I don't discount that uh, service at all. But I mean, you look at Troy price from 2017 to 2020 Derek Eden, Andy McGuire. She ran for um, the governor's seat and uh, and did not make the primary Tyler Olson who uh, had a stint uh, running and serving kind of in state politics and is now um, in city government, Cedar Rapids. Scott Brennan, Sue Dvorsky, Michael Kiernan, um, all the way back to Sally Peterson if we want to get the Benton County connection there mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to you know 2005, 2004 era. And you kind of look at those folks and those are not big names. In Iowa politics, at least right now, I mean, you've got you've got folks that have run and and done some some things, um, but but you don't have I don't see those folks having you know big big elected offices on their resumes either before or after when they've run. I I don't know what to make of that exactly. You know, I don't know if um, if that means that's what we need or if it means that we need something completely different. I think for me, what what I see, and and I've had some experience, not not long serving experience with uh, the county um, county party. I currently serve as, or I have served as the uh, um, treasurer for the the Tama County Democrats. What I've seen in this in the short time that I've been active is that we have just simply a people problem in uh, in the state party right now and on down to the county party because that's you know that's that's where the people are and and by that i mean i think if you look across rural america even into urban and suburban america that's the the culture has changed around service organizations fraternities um, volunteer groups uh, churches people have a lot of things competing for their time i really don't think that can be understated in terms of what impact that has on getting people to show up and, and to, and to be a part of, of something like a County party.
0: Do, do you think that maybe um, since you mentioned community service in particular, yeah, do you think that maybe one way for the, for the state party at the County level would be to get involved in more of that kind of work so that it's an ongoing thing and not just a, you know, like once every two years. Hey, there's an election coming up.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think you use your state party as a a stronger organization that can provide guidelines and and ideas and resources to help the volunteers that are that are going to populate and and serve on your on your county party um, level. But but I think that. It's also, you know, you kind of need those folks at the state level to really help direct things as well too, in terms of inspiring the thought that, okay, we really need to to think a different way about how we get people to, you know, figuratively walk through the door um, of our county central committee, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, when I've observed new new people coming into to our county party and and trying to kind of sit in or or kind of getting pulled in from the caucus, and and starting and I and I'm I'm sure this is not unique to to Tama County or, or any place. I'm sure it's a it's a familiar thing, but what you've got is the same five people that are probably burned out that have been serving on those organizations for a long time, kind of hashing out Robert's Rules of Orders and going through procedure and just kind of going through the steps of um, executing things like uh, conventions and and um, working through a platform and, and doing those kinds of procedural things that if that is all that's happening at the county level, why on earth would somebody who's got no experience and is not even really a part of it, it's just kind of like just getting there, why on earth would they want to to give their time on a regular basis to be a part of that? That just doesn't that just doesn't make sense in terms of you know if you kind of reduce it down to hey come be a part of our thing and i think you can in some in some instances because at the end of the day what we really need in in the county party and with 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 voters and democrats in rural spaces is we need them to be comfortable being a democrat in a rural and in a conservative place and right. i think you can help people do that by giving them opportunities to be a part of a group and feel included feel heard feel um, like they can sort of stand a little taller in their community and not feel like such an outcast that they that they have a more progressive viewpoint and and not feel like such a uh four-letter word or something like that i think we've all experienced that as as rural democrats that you you know you kind of stand up and and you see the you know you kind of see how people might think how people might think of you or people kind of look at you and, and that's a, an intimidating thing and has consequences for folks too. you know when you're talking about families or, or church groups or, or you know a community that is more conservative leaning. So I think we have to find ways to make the experience more comfortable for people um, and inviting for people. I, I have not seen that the, that take place. Right.
0: Um, I think what you were what you were describing there about, you know, the same five people sounded yeah. very familiar. Um, yeah, I moved back to Iowa nearly a year and a half ago now, so summer of 2019, mm-hmm. and met uh, the field organizer for Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. who asked me about the the Benton Dems monthly meetings, and I had no idea that there was any kind of county structure, uh, yeah. county party structure. And so I went to a county Dems meeting, um, just because the the Kamala field organizer, Anderson, yeah. um, you know, said, you should, you should come.
2: Shout out to Anderson. We love Anderson.
0: Yeah, shout out to Anderson. You know, and, and at the time, we had a longtime uh, chair, who definitely had put in a lot of time and effort into the party but it did seem that it was a lot of the you know the same old you know well every meeting we talk about these things and we talk about these things this particular month because that's what you talk about in that particular month uh, in yep. a presidential election yep. and you know in, in at the January meeting you talk about the last minute prep for the caucus that's coming up that that person then resigned and we have a new chair who Definitely has some some interesting ideas. He's talked about, um, you know, we've heard a, a lot about the need for year-round organizing uh, from people like J.D. Scholten. Uh, Ruby has mentioned it. Although our new chair hasn't been talking necessarily about year-round organizing, he has brought up ideas like, what if we had a regular uh, ad or ads running on cable TV in our county talking about the the values that democrats stand for so that it's what others have called a you know year-round organizing so it's not just there's an election coming up you should vote democratic
2: I think one thing that really comes to mind in in this kind of really goes back to how I first met Ruby and, and encountered um some of the things that she was doing in Benton County was with um with her work with the the Benton Young the young Benton County Dems, I think was something like that. Um with yeah, she, she had her um family kind of involved and and I see like this and Ruby can jump in with with how that all kind of un, unraveled or un, un, uh, unfolded. But like she was out there just doing creative, simple things with with high schoolers, kids that her her daughter knew from from her school, um, to sort of like bring them into this whole conversation. And and it looked um, it looked like you know the, doing little craft things, doing doing. Actual activities. I don't know. I'm not selling it very well, I don't think. But uh, that initiative or that kind of like effort was was extremely impactful on on me to to see that happening in in a place like Benton County, which I can see very much parallels my own space. To so to, to to have seen that happen in Tama County would have been like, oh my gosh, who is what is this? Like this is this is fantastic. And I think it's that type of thing that we need to find that for different demographics, different populations in our counties to to try and pull them in. How, how Ruby, how did you feel like that experience kind of uh, brought in some of those younger kids um, to, to the political conversation that was going on?
1: Well, I knew, so I had two kids in high school, you know, a girl and a boy, my son and daughter, and they have a lot of friends who, you know, think the same way they do, but in a progressive way. But I think, it's just become accepted that in counties like ours, you're a Republican um, and you just vote one way because the the other party doesn't exist as we've proven. Mm -hmm. There's no infrastructure. Being a Democrat in counties like ours, a lot of people feel like you said, they have to keep it hidden. And I just felt like, why can't we give our children another choice? And I knew a lot of those kids because I'd had them in school and with the caucus coming up, I thought this is ridiculous. This is Iowa. There's all these candidates, and they were—it was such a diverse group of candidates, you know, at the beginning yeah. of the caucus season that I thought I wanted my daughter to be involved in it, and I wanted other people's kids um, to have that opportunity if they if they so, you know, desired, um, and not have to go to Lynn County to do something like that. So some of the things we did was we wrote um, postcards to um, Andy McKean thanking him so the republican house member that flipped um democrat because he you know basically couldn't stomach being part of the party of trump anymore and they enjoyed that and we used a postcard from one of his very first elections that had every single rural town he was hoping to represent on the card and he looked like a 20 year old you know it was awesome and then we played popsicle presidents and we yeah. had food and uh one of those children kids i shouldn't say that she's a young adult now but sent me a card when she graduated, cause I had sent her a graduation um, gift. And in the card, she wrote something like, you know, like the best thing you did for me was you helped me figure out who I was and that it was okay, you know, to be progressive. Like it was okay to be from Vinton, Iowa yeah. and to be progressive. Um, oh, so I know good. I still have that in a little frame because that made me feel really good. And then she also mentioned, you know and then the fact that you stood up and ran for house, you know, when like nobody in the democratic party wins around here. Um, That meant a lot to her too, that that somebody cared enough to stand up for everyone else. And I think you're so right, Darwin, like our party has just been flatlined in this state. So what does it matter at this point who is at the head of our party? We just need someone that gets it and is ready to rebuild. Like you said, that is what we need. We do not, you don't need to be a superstar. We don't even need to really know your name. You have to rebuild an entire party from the grassroots up because we've got, I just think there's just nothing left right now. I think it rolled across this state from rural to urban and yep. it sh- sent a huge message to whoever the next chair is that you have an insane amount of work to do and it is not going to be solved in one year.
2: I did want to throw out one quick um... Recommendation to and and I'm sure a lot of folks, a lot of Democrats probably have, have seen this already. And as I was kind of thinking about, well, what are my thoughts about this last election and the results from uh, the 2020 election in Iowa? I, I really enjoyed Iowa Press Television program had an interview with uh, J. Ann Selzer, uh, the pollster from Des Moines, um, on uh, shortly after the election, and she has just uh, she she puts together some. Some, I think, some expert analysis on what happened, why some things might have happened. and um, it, it's just a great conversation. So I think uh, I found that really helpful when kind of trying to think about what happened in in Iowa in the last in the last year and in the last election. So I definitely recommend checking that out. It's on YouTube or on the Iowa PBS uh, website as well. So that uh, I jived with a lot of things that that, that she was saying for sure.
0: She's definitely got a uh, an interesting perspective, kind of right. taking the keep it simple stupid principle. Yeah. Yep. So, well, thank you so much, uh, Darwin, for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you again next time. And we thank you, the listener, as well, for tuning in. Let us know what you thought about this episode, or to suggest people or places for a future episode. You can email us at podcast at we live here too, dot US. Connect with us on social media at We Live here pod, or visit our website, weliveheretoo.us.